Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Pastor Kenneth, we're glad to have you here. Oh, I love the energy I'm seeing in the chat section. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, sir, for taking out time to answer our many questions. Um, Where else would I be? Yes. <laughs> oh, we love you. Thank you for prioritizing us. You know, you know. Uh, the first question of the list is by Grace Clark, and Grace Clark is here. Uh, more people have waited for this question to be answered. I need to say. Okay. Can I just say hi to everyone first before we start with the questions? Sorry. If you don't mind, sorry. sorry. I just want to say hi. <laughs> hi, everybody. How are you guys? If you can unmute your microphones, I just want to know that you are good and you're fine. Hola. I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. I'm good too. Get to, get to hear from you, dummy. Okay. Good evening, PK. Hi, Priz. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm okay. Alright. Okay. Bye. Hey, Fisayo. And if Fisayo did not have a nice, fancy background, then it's an imposter. It's I can't not, be yeah. <laughs> it's not complete. <laughs> nice to be here. Awesome. Alright, Dami. Over to you. Awesome, thank you. Apologies again. Um, okay, so the first question on the list is by Grace Clark, and Grace is here. Grace, say hi. Everybody wants a question to be answered. Um, hi, good evening. Good evening, PK. Good evening, Dami. Good evening. Okay, so the question goes. Hmm? Okay, I'll just go ahead. The question says How can we effectively study the Bible alone? And are there any free resources? Online resources can be shady Oh, okay. Very good question. How how um, the question was? Uh, how can you study alone? Yes. And what resources can help Bible study? Yeah. So, ah, oh, God knows that some of my favorite moments ever in in the little while I've I've lived on Earth is when it's just me and my Bible alone, like. Those moments, they are so precious. And I feel like it's a lost art or a lost act at the same time that a lot of believers don't do anymore. They rather open their Bibles when it's time for a Bible study meeting or Sunday service. And then throughout the week, you just have, you know, memory verses, you know, you make confessions and that's it. While those those things have their place, um, Bible study is so, oh my goodness, it's, it's so cathartic. It's so beautiful. It's 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 food, really. It's it's food that you need. Um, I always say this that as much as God has built structures in the body of Christ, ministry gifts to teach, I I, I still believe that those are um, somewhat crumbs. The word of God itself is the bread, you know, and and you having to eat from that is always going to be special. So how do you do it? How can you do that? Um, how can you do that alone? Uh, the things I recommend is very shortly. Just make sure you're not sleepy. Don't be one of those people. They're like, ah, I feel sleepy. Let me just carry my Bible and just you know. And then you not say, ah, Jeremiah, 
and then you're off you know make sure that you are just like this now at a table or you are sitting up you are you are active you are alive if you need to get you know it's 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 how we read for exams so much that we 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 put cold water we put our leg inside buckets we buy chain gum you know all those things to stay awake whatever you can do just make sure you're awake you're alive you're active and then have a plan right make sure you know where you want to study why you want to study it don't just say lord sakamaji sakamaji anywhere you lead me i will follow <laughs> don't try it um have a plan do you have a bible plan that you're following are you going chronologically are you going sequentially are you going um based on um where god wants you to to check part time right where god is leading you to check so yeah i mean make sure you have a plan and then make sure as you study go verse by verse right go verse by verse make sure that every verse is no verse is left unread or ununderstood right don't say maybe i'll check it out later or, you know if it's too hard drop that kjv version um go find something simpler but make sure you, you go verse by verse if you're going to john 316 make sure that after you've read your john 316 you go to verse 1 john 3 1 right if possible john chapter 1 you know just read the whole context make sure that you're understanding who it is, you know, um, what it is that you're reading, then I know it sounds like a lot. Make sure you always roll out the four A's, right? And if you followed us for long, you know what the four A's are. Who is writing this? Who is the author? Who is the audience? Who was it meant for? Why was it written? That's the aim. And how do I apply this in my life, the application? I'm telling you, if you do this, and afterwards you've learned all this and you studied and you share what you've learned, you have the most beautiful experience ever. And sometimes when you feel bored or you feel like your Bible study life is not growing, involve someone. Tell someone, you know, that you trust who understands scripture to just read it with you. You study together. What does this mean? You ask questions back and forth. It's beautiful. It's the best kind of conversation you can have with another human being. You know, so I, those are the few things that I can say top of my mind that would really, really help you um, study alone. Um, so for materials, I would recommend Bible Hub dot com um i'll recommend bible gateway these are online resources for bibles and different versions that you want to use then if you want if i want to recommend bible versions i'm, I'm always very careful when doing this because i feel like bible versions have their place so bible versions um which king james is the most popular um they they have different interpretation styles so there's the word for word interpretation there is the um thought for thoughts interpretation as well and then sometimes also phrasal or sentence wise interpretations so the word for word interpretation is what you have in kjv niv um and funny enough niv uses one of the oldest manuscripts um, to translate. In fact, the manuscript used by NIV is older than that of KJV. And that's why sometimes in NIV you see some missing places. Some people say it's because the devil wants to remove, you know, your destiny. <laughs> so the devil also removed some parts of NIV. It's not true. It's just an older manuscript, right, that was used to translate it. Um, so those are word for word. Those ones, you know, are very, very literal. But when you talk about thought for thought, you're talking about the NLTs, the TLB, 
that's the living bible the tpt passion translation message right so the person who is interpreting this version reads the thought understands it in his own way and then writes writes it in simpler english you know so that one is usually more prone to to subjectivity right to what the person who is interpreting feels like it means you know and that's why i only recommend message to people who are really starting off in their faith who want to understand and you know just starting off message helps a lot to simplify but if you want to thoroughly study the bible and you know dive deeply i would i would not really recommend that for you so yeah that's about the bible versions then lexicons very quickly um you can use the strongs the strongs is strongly recommended uh <laughs> strongs is very good it's it's uh in some bibles you see it as kjv plus um you have esword you have um is it tekata forgotten how it's pronounced uh there's this one i used to have but i don't think they make it anymore it's called bible illumina bible illumina it's old i used to when i was in secondary school i used to use it but there's a there's Tecate, there's Logos Bible. Um, there's which other ones do I have? Um, I mostly use Strong's and Tecata. And then I use my physical study Bibles as well. So I'd always recommend that you have a physical study Bible. The one that I have used and I've really enjoyed so far um, that has some reasonably good commentary is Life and the Spirit Study Bible. Right, it comes in KJV and NIV, I think. So, Life in the Spirit Study Bible is so good. The cross reference, there's no way you will study it. You will not want to check somewhere else. It's it's solid, you know. And if you are talking about commentaries, the um, what's it called? Is it um, um, Brown Fawcett or I've forgotten how it's called? That one is really good. Uh, Matthew Henry. Uh, he's very loquacious. He talks a lot, but he's I think his commentaries are reasonable. Um, yeah, those are the ones I can say top of my head. So, um, but honestly, I feel like if you really want to enjoy the Bible, while you you have these tools that you're using, learn to to enjoy the task of brainstorming and prayerfully doing that. Don't just at any point, you know, you're not sure of the scripture, you now go to Google. Google, what does this mean? You usually land in trouble sometimes or maybe even end up being more confused. But there, there are some good materials out there. But I think that you, you need to enjoy finding out. And then maybe you come to a conclusion and you ask your mentor, ask your spiritual leader, this is what I got from this. What do you think? And then you align on your doctrines, right? So that's that's what I'd say. I know I've spent so much time on this, but uh, that's what, I, what I'll say about studying your Bible. Learning. It's a beautiful thing, and everyone should be doing it. Everyone. Thank you so much, Pastor Ken. I literally just started. I think I already started dropping out these in a beautiful wisdom of it. So I want to add another rule. Feel free to, like, I hope you have your books, your pens, yes, no paper, your books and your pens, you know, take notes. And then if something really strikes you, you can also put it in the comment section. Let someone else see and be blessed, you know, and have reminders as well. So yeah, thanks, guys. 
Um, I'll be moving and, straight to the next question. And, but also, hmm. um, sorry, Dami, if if at uh, any point maybe the question is not sufficient to the person that asked, please just reach out. Um, just you know, speak up and just maybe ask a follow up question. Right. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so, Grace, I hope you were able to hear the answer to your question. And yes, I was. Amazing. Great. Glad to hear that. Um, so, then the person who owns the next question is not here yet. Um, I think we would want to wait for her to come for me to ask it. Right. So, I'll move on to the next question, which is also by Grace. <clears throat> How can we train our spirits to know God's voice other than through experience? How can we train our spirits to know God's voice other than through experience? Ah, okay. <laughs> That's a very good question. And I think maybe it's triggered by maybe the current theme in Celebration Church. Um, but uh, also, guys, please, I think, Dami, everyone else here online has a chance to ask, not just the written ones, right? People yes, can ask that's so, so okay. online, so like, yes. Okay, okay, great. Sure. So how can you train your spirit to know God's voice, right, rather than through experience? Is it rather than through experience? I want to be sure that's the question. Okay. Well, um, so apparently experience and leadership of the spirit are not mutually exclusive, right they can happen simultaneously in fact many times god leads us in our experiences <laughs> you know he leads us experientially so it's not an either or situation that's really how god leads um but how can you train your spirit as funny as it is you can train your spirit through experience um you can train your spirit through experience. You can train your spirit through prayer. One thing that I have, I can give you for free is when the Lord leads. See, there's a principle I've always, uh, you know, um, what's the what's the pastors of abide? Is he abided by or abounded? <laughs> Someone help me. But there's a principle I've, gone by. I've always principle stood by. Uh, uh-huh. um, is that I'd rather be a fool than disobey God. I'd rather look like a fool than disobey God. Right? If if I feel just the slightest that this is God leading me, I will just obey. I'll just go for it and damn the consequences. Um, and that's because I've learned not to quench the spirit. You know, the Bible instructs in First Corinthians that quench not the spirit. Also in First Thessalonians as well. Do not quench the spirit. And then, that just tells you that sometimes the spirit is leading, but by your saying no, you can quench the leadership of the spirit. Do you get it's not It's not a 10 steps to training your spirit kind of thing. Honestly, this is something that through prayer you would sharpen your senses to. Prayer helps your discernment. Have you noticed that there are times where your judgment is clouded? Maybe there's a guy that's on your case and you're just falling head, heads over heels. And guys, maybe it's you too. You're falling heads over heels for this girl. And when you actually spend time in prayer, like, okay, God, like, slap sense into me. Let me be sure that this is, this is it. And you pray. You just find out that after a while, there's some clarity that starts to come. You know, there's discernment. You can think better. Um, those are ways to train your spirit. 
it's a it's a fight between flesh and spirit so whichever one you feed more the other one is starved if you feed your flesh you're watching movies you're exposed to social media and the wrong side of social media if you are talking to the wrong people if you're not investing in spiritual activity your senses will definitely be dulled to the leading of the spirit and so it's not it's not magic it's it's really where your investment is if you're spending time fasting and praying and in devotion and fellowshipping with other believers i'm telling you you will you will know when god speaks it's just a knowledge that you know like you know that you know that you know what you know is what you know it's that feeling it's not something that i can teach you something that you have to learn with experience but the best way to train your spirit is through spiritual devotion through spiritual exercise and that's why sometimes whenever we need to make a new big step in our lives we always are encouraged to, to take some time to fast we're expected to take some time to fast to to and fasting separates us from our flesh separates us from having enjoyment and pleasure and satisfaction in physical things do you understand acts chapter 13 paul barnabas had done ministry they're ministering to the jews they ministered to Gentiles, but we're like, what next? Like, what next? What do we do? And then they came in Acts chapter 13. The Bible says all of them gathered and they fasted, ministering unto the Lord, meaning they knew that it was important to dull their physical senses and ignite their spiritual senses so they know what God would want them to do at that time. And as they did that, there was direction separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I've called them to do. Boom. They, they trained their spirits in that way to know that this really was God leading them. So um, that's really what it is. It's, it's in your experience that you are, you, know, you are trained. It's in spiritual devotion that you are trained. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's just the summary of it. There's much more to say, but that, that's what it is. Don't hesitate. If you feel there's something that is growing as a passion in you to do, and you're having dreams about it. It's a waking thought that you're having. It's a sleeping thought. Don't shake it off, right? Just do it, you know. Um, do it and then many times you realize that the more you obey God, the more he's willing to lead you more. Do you understand? That's just how it is. The, the more you learn to say yes, the more you would understand his voice. You know his voice. All right, so that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much, PK. That was, that was so rich. That was so rich. Thank you, sir. Um, I'll be moving on straight to the next question. Um, okay. I know that Ajayi put a question in the chat, but it seems like this I answered it. But PK, if you don't say anything about it, he was asking about the Bible study um, resources you mentioned earlier, if they're available on you know, mobile device. Um, okay. You know what I would do? I think, I think one thing, Bami, please remind me. Um, I'll hold you responsible for this one. I think what I'll do, because I know a lot of people have been asking this, I want to put a compilation of um, these resources, the ones that are available on mobile, the ones that are available um, on PC or Mac, the ones that are available print in print, the ones that are paid, the ones that are free, you know, just so that everyone has an idea of what they can use and what's what works for them you know i think it will help we just put yeah. we just put it in a what do we do in a pdf file and then yeah. share yeah maybe we can do that all right okay. 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 Yeah. 
Okay. Um, yes. So, okay, Grace. Grace has said thank you. It means she had, the question was answered perfectly. Awesome. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, BK, again. I'm going to the next question. This question is anonymous, um, um, but it's rated high now. So, I'll just ask it anyways. But before you I say it's rated I, R, the next two online. Huh? What do you say? You say it's rated R. <laughs> Not exactly. Okay. Yeah. But before then, I promised two online questions and two live questions. Welcome if you're just joining us. So this is a live Q and A session. I've asked two online questions. Does anybody have the? Does anybody want to ask the question live? Like maybe you just want to raise up your hand. You can be bold. Let's get that question out. I'll give like a minute grace. And if I don't hear from anyone, uh, 30 seconds actually, I would move back to the online questions. Anyone that had a question they'd like to ask? Okay, go in, go in, go. Is anyone raising their hand? No, okay. So you still have an opportunity to ask the question. In the chat, I'm looking at the chat. Okay. Um, yeah, so you still have the opportunity to ask your question as you go on. Like I said, two online, two live. So if any question comes to your mind, you know, in that space, you can either type it up in the chat section or raise your hand when it comes to, you know, us taking live questions. So yes, thank you very much. Um, now, the next question, it's asked by Anonymous. Practical steps on how to stop a pornography addiction. I feel like we had this same question last Q&A. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, I, and I think it's important that these questions come. So, practical what step what for? Steps on how to stop a pornography addiction. Ah, <sighs> practical steps on how to stop a pornography addiction. Man, can we be honest and just say that this is one thing that has, um, that has really ridden a lot of, um believers and really has messed up a lot of people's devotion caused people to doubt their salvation caused people to be distracted from their assignments um led people to have the wrong mindset about sex towards the opposite sex as well and towards like intimacy with a partner um it, it, pornography is, is, is one of the worst things that can ever happen to anybody um, the exposure to pornography. Um, but one thing you notice about pornography when it's a full-blown addiction, it, it's like any other addiction. It's with, with every time you indulge, there is a release of ecstasy. There's a release of pleasure. And the pleasure in itself is addictive the high that you felt, the feeling that you felt in itself is addictive. And the truth about it is that it's insatiable. Many people have this idea that, no, let me just do this last time and I'm sure that that's it. Like, I'm done. Just this last time. And it, it, it never works. It's a black hole that wants more. You know, you will never stop and never stop until you choose to stop, until you get help. Um, first step, I would say, is get help. If you have a pornography addiction, get help. Whether you're a spiritual leader, whether you're someone that people look up to, it doesn't matter. This is this is your life. Um, it's not about reputation. Go to someone who is trusted, who 
you know it's not judgmental and will not see you any different. And yes, there are people like that who would not judge you and will not see you different. So get help immediately. Don't waste time. Send that text, make that call. All right. And and when you do, and this is to a lot of people, a lot of people reach out to me to ask for assistance, to, to help, but you can't, it's, it's, it's a two-way street, right? You can't first tell me you're willing to get help and then you're not responsive and then you're not vulnerable and then you're lying. And then when you are facing those temptations, you don't speak out. You wait till after several relapses, you now say, oh, by the way, <laughs> I messed up, you know, peace out. You know, it doesn't work like that. Accountability is a serious thing. It's vulnerable, but it's important. Um, one way that sin is is weakened and it loses its strength is when you expose it to light. When you expose darkness to light, when you're not in isolation and you've put this thing out there, it's easier to tackle it head on. If the devil can keep you isolated and make you feel ashamed, um, that's when he's going to win. And that's when this addiction is going to have a stronger hold on you. So get help. Get help. Be totally... Excuse me. Be totally vulnerable and and uh, what's the word? Accountable. Be held accountable. Number two, you need to actively renew your mind. Actively renew your mind, like spiritual detail and wash your mind. You need to do that because um, with with pornography, the the, the way it works is that. Um, it is. It is very. It is very. What's the word? Ling. It lingers more, right? You know. The truth is, any if any of you here has seen a picture, and maybe everyone here has. If you've seen a picture of a naked person, or a video of a naked person or naked people, you probably still remember. You probably still know what that image was, or who was in that video, or who was in that picture. It's. It's so strong and it's that powerful. And if you've developed this addiction over time, it means that you've let these things play on in your mind and stay there. It means you also need to intentionally re-engineer re that. You need to actively renew that, replace. You can't just say, I want to take away these thoughts and throw them away. And just, and it's gone. If there is a void, you know what Jesus even said? It says, if you cast out devils from an unbeliever, you know, and that place is met empty, in fact, greater demons will come back, see that place empty, and and even possess that person much more. So you can't leave your mind. Your mind cannot be absent. There's an active place where you you replace the wrong desires, the wrong thoughts, the wrong understanding about sex and women and, and intimacy with the right knowledge. Through scriptures, through the right materials and books that help do this, and, and just make those positive confessions, right? If you're feeling some type of way, and let's be real, like your hormones um, act out, right? And this is natural. You know, um, when even animals, there's a period in time where animals, they call it their own heat. It happens to human beings too. As, a, as an adult, you have hormones. And maybe it's at a particular time of the month or it's always all the time. You have hormones and you can control those hormones you can subject them it's natural to have those hormones because you're a sexual being at the end of the day god created sex for you um not you for sex but 
that's the point. God wants that even with those desires, you can control them, you can tame them, you can speak, you know, and make those confessions that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And to have the understanding that there's no secret sin really ever done in secret. It's done in the presence of a holy God who sees you, who, who lives in you. So it, it, it's, it, it's a mentality to develop. The worst thing you can do is to get to a point where you are hardened by this thing, where you don't feel bad about it anymore and it just occurs and occurs. And it's like, man, this is just how it is. You know, that's a very bad place to be. If you're in that place, get help immediately. Your heart is becoming hardened. Your conscience is becoming seared. You need to get help immediately and, you know, just walk with someone who can intentionally make sure that you're going through this mind renewal process. And then the last thing is control your environment, right? Control your environment. Don't, when they tell you that they're releasing Bridget Sins into Runaway, all right? When they tell you, um, which other one, like, I just knew early on when, I remember back in, in, in secondary school when... I was beginning to have, um, you know, perspective towards women and lust was becoming a problem. And they said there was a Game of Thrones. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, I know the storyline is mad. Yes, it's mad. Man, did you see what Jon Snow did? Yes. Let him do what he does best, but not for me. Um, because, you know, you have to guard your heart jealously. The devil knows what can get to you and he will pump the media with it. So if, if you're... Ignorant of his devices, you will fall for it. Control your environment. Don't. If there are certain people that have conversations that trigger those thoughts, stay away from those people. If there are movies, stay away from those movies. If it's Twitter, stay away from Twitter. If it's books, romance, romance novels, and all of that, stay away from all of that. Don't know what your triggers are and control your environment to make sure that you are not stepping. If you touch fire, you're going to get burnt. You can't play with fire and not get burnt unless you are a firebender right um yeah where the firebenders get burnt anyways you get the point um so i mentioned getting help i mentioned renewing your mind i mentioned um what else i mentioned then controlling environment i think i mentioned something else but yeah just top of my head these are the things but get help if this is you maybe you're on the call get help get help yes get help before it's too late, um, before it ruins relationships, before it, it ruins ministry, get help. That's what I would say. And if, if the manifestation of pornography has branched out to more things like um, maybe fornication or masturbation or all those things, you need to control, you need to, you need to get help fast, you know, to make sure that those things don't ruin your relationships. All right, where the world tells you it's okay. Like the truth is, that's what the media is saying now. That's what schools do. If you go to a typical American school, um, the, when it comes to sex education, after they've done all their teaching and everything, there's a basket waiting by the side full of condoms that they'll share to every student. Safe sex, right? Rather than abstinence. abstinence. Um, it's okay. It's healthy to to self-stimulate. That's what they say. It's, it's okay to masturbate. Healthy, it shows you're a normal human being, it's you, you're not hurting anyone. These are just the lies of the enemy, and we need to be very alert about those things. So, yeah, I hope that helps, Anonymous. <laughs>
I hope it does. I hope it does. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyone who would like to drop like highlights from the amazing points, because again, it is dropping in the chat, please feel free to. Um, okay, there's a question here by what on these things are changing <laughs> quickly, but that's beautiful. Um, a question here from Amara. And it just went up, meaning there's someone here that, you know, wants the question answered too. I've heard people say prayer is more effective at midnight. Is this accurate? And if yes, how and why is it more effective at midnight? Okay, so, prayer has been more effective at midnight. Yes. Yeah, so I the one I've heard of. I don't get to this Amara that asked the question or another Amara. Yeah, Amara, she's you. Amara, do you want to? Yes, it's me. It's you, okay. (laughs) Awesome, okay. So the one I've heard actually more of is 3 a.m. Funny, you know, that that's when um, the witches are also having their meeting. And so when you are firing as they're firing. (laughs) Um, Well, Prayer can be effective at midnight for you. It's relative. It's not a general principle. If you're the kind of person that likes, like your house and your family structure is such that you are the one who cooks for everybody and you're doing all the house chores, you have a nine to five. By the time you you get back, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're tired, there's noise everywhere, TV's on, everywhere is blasting and bubbling. Maybe you're in a big family. Then midnight will be effective for you. Make sense? It will make sense that you can you pray better at midnight when you're more focused where everyone else is is going to bed and all of that. But there's nothing specific about the timing. You can always talk to this God who doesn't sleep and doesn't slumber. He's awake, twenty four seven customer service. He's having you. He's there to <laughs> to take care of all your needs. You know. Um, so yeah, there's not there's really nothing special about that. It's just more about the timing that makes it where you are focused most focused on god where you are most at peace you know and yeah where you are even most energetic right so some other people midnight is too late like they can't sleep later than 10 p.m so what am i what am i doing by by midnight but there'll be some days where you need to do that there's really some days where you need to stay awake where you need to have vigils where you need to stretch beyond what's comfortable to prove your consecration to god so Except for that, I don't see any other reason why to, uh, midnight is special. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, Pastor Kenneth. Right. <laughs> okay, so I'll jump straight to the next question. It's by Chris, um, and Chris is here also. Thank you. I'm glad I'm aware of your question answered well. So, Chris, how, Chris, how do you give a believer who committed, how do you grieve a believer who committed suicide? Is there any hope of heaven for this person? How do you grieve? A believer who committed suicide. Is there any hope for heaven oh, of heaven for this person? How do you person? grieve over like to grieve over a person like that? A believer that committed suicide. Yeah. Oh man, I was I was tempted to say come around for a dusty conference because that's what we're going to talk about it there. Um because if you're talking about a topic as sensitive as suicide, rushing it in a Q&A like this may may end up um, being counterproductive. But what I will say is, if this person was a believer and they died through this means, you should mourn them like every other believer. 
like you would mourn every other believer. If this person meant something to you, I don't think you'd be smiling and happy. Uh, you'd be pained. You'd be maybe even feel guilty. Maybe there was something you could have done, right? But you grieve with hope. That's what you do. That God in his mercy, um, you know, will give this person the inheritance that it was promised them as believers. You know, you grieve with hope, with the hope that you will see them again. All right. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. Going into the nitty-gritty will, will be a bit tricky. Um, but what I will say is there's no justification for suicide. Um, there's no... People say, you know, I was having an argument with someone who was saying that people who commit suicide are actually strong. They didn't know what it takes to take your own life. You have to be that strong. And like, I think it's actually the other way around. I think it's because you've given up. I feel like it's because you don't have the strength to go on anymore. And there's, you don't see any hope beyond now. You know, and people in those moments make mistakes and do things that they shouldn't, even as believers. The people who have, who are believers and have men, mental health illnesses and not just mental health issues like real illnesses and disorders and because of that fall easily into depression and all of this and you know at the end of the day you have to trust that god is merciful um and that even in this mistake there is forgiveness of sins right so that's what i would say there's there's so much to talk about this issue but i think that's where i'll just cap it yeah and if if you if you know some if maybe you know someone personally that did go through that and maybe you're having a hard time grieving, please talk to me, talk to Danny, talk to anyone that you can, so that we can walk you through that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, PK. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So welcome to people who just newly joined us. Um, we've gotten to that point where we take two live questions. So you should ask questions now. People shy. Okay, I see. Um, Amara, Chris said these are amazing. Yes, Amarachi, please okay. go ahead. Shoot. Thank you. Okay, good evening, Mr. Kenneth. Good evening, everybody. Hi, good evening. All right, so um, I want to ask about fasting. So I don't know, I think this is, this is more like a personal struggle, okay. right? I, I find it difficult to. But I say ignore my flesh when I'm fasting. I cannot seem to function when I don't, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I have like I, I've struggled with it a lot. I I still can't fast today, and then two hours later, I can't I can't sleep properly because I'm because I haven't eaten, right? So I don't know practical steps on I don't know how to fast, how to ignore your flesh and actually just fast or. Like I've struggled with it too much, so I think I need help at this point. Let me ask: Is food a love language of yours? Yes, I love like, food. Like if they buy food for you, you just like oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my goodness, is that you? <laughs> All right. That's beside you. Yeah, I like food. You like food? Good, good. All right. So, hmm. me too. I like food. Though. Um. I mean, especially cooking food and making food and eating food, if it makes sense. But uh, I, I actually can relate to the feeling where it feels like, man, I'm going to die if I don't eat this this chicken. Like, I'm going to just, you know, it's very hard. 
then again it also exposes um at the same time it exposes your level of consecration to god it does and i feel everyone is at different levels of their consecration to god but if you're not experiencing some growth in that then it's a problem and i think that's why you've identified it as a problem so a few tips i would say is this there are different kinds of fasting um, but ultimately, when it involves food, the whole point, like if you if you miss the whole point of fasting, then you're going to have a hard time. If you don't know the purpose, you're going to abuse the whole thing. The whole purpose of fasting is to deny yourself certain things that your body is naturally used to that, you know, you not, normally would just without even thinking, do these things to give yourself some sort of satisfaction. But what this is, is when you fast, you're actually saying... I want to put this aside. I don't want to taste this sweet thing or this spicy thing or this delicious delicacy for this time. So I'll just give you a practical example. If you're going to, I don't, don't do that thing where people do where, you know, you're fasting tomorrow morning, then all through up till midnight, you have stuffed yourself. Let me just take all these things, drink all the water. <sighs> you won't sleep well. <laughs> you will wake up. <laughs> Um, so don't do that. Just eat in moderation. When you wake up, when you wake up, get busy. Right? Have a time in mind that you you're going to break your fast and take it easy. Don't overdo it. If you can do three three p.m., don't do twelve p.m. It doesn't make sense. Um, if you can do three p.m. and during that time from when you wake up till that three p.m., there's no food there is like you're just focused on the lord then you're doing well and then the next time you're fasting do 3 30 then do four o'clock and increase the time what you what you're doing is you're you're trying to decrease your dependency on food to satisfy you god knows you need food for your body and for strength but at the same time you're saying i'm denying myself of this pleasure for the sake of god right at the same time if you are fasting and you're not eating but you spend most of the time you're like let me just pass the time and watch netflix let me just call this my friend let's just you have not fasted breaking news you've not fasted fasting if you looked at how the jewish people fasted in fact it was very dramatic they would tear their clothes they'll pour ash they'll stay by themselves they'll wail and cry out to god for the entire day or whether it's days on end no food that like that you know, they go on what you call dry fasting and things like that. So your body can handle it. Your body can go three days without water and can go three weeks without food. You can survive, right? So even if you want to take only water, right, and you say, you know what, because I love chicken so much and I love ice cream so much, I'm going to cut this one off. Like, I don't really like veggies, but it's worth the sacrifice. And for a whole week, you're eating just veggies. It might seem like a diet, but for you, it's consecration. Do you get that? Also counts as fasting. Do you get so? Just pace yourself. Don't overdo it. Start small. Uh, I'll just really say start from eight three p.m. right to break your fast. But what you do up until that three p.m. is what counts the most. Are you praying? Are you actually studying your Bible? I know you might have a nine to five or you're busy throughout that time, but if you don't have quality time at least two hours with you and your and god alone you've not fasted all right i like to just tell people the truth if you've not spent quality time praying and, and and studying 
don't 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 even bother you can like even beyond food i know yours is particularly food but even beyond food you can take fasts in certain ways but because food is something that we do every time to get satisfaction that's why fasting is always very directly tied to food and water which you get so i hope that helps pace yourself and maximize the time that you're fasting Make sure you cut off every other form and just receive all the satisfaction from God. Truly, the one who waits on the Lord will renew their strength. It's real. It's real. There's a supernatural strength that God gives when you wait on him that food can't even give. So that's what I would say. Does that make sense? Thank you so much. Um, that sense? And get accountability. Get accountability. <laughs> if there's someone that can watch you and... Maybe you're just having a video call with the person and like you're just just like man I'm fasting. That's I'm fasting. You're carrying that drumstick. Hey hey, you drop. You know, get someone who can do that for you. Who you know keeps you accountable while you're fasting. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Amazing. Thank you, Amara, for confirming that your question was answered. So there's a follow-up question from that in the chat section. Um, okay. Grace is asking that can you fast from movies? I think you can tell it in your answer, but you know, I'm sure she loves to hear. Can you fast from movies? Is it a thing too? Yes. Um, yes, you can actually fast from movies, um, like I mentioned, but just make sure you're also accompanying that with a food fast. Alright, it always just makes sense. It doesn't make sense to be eating a lot, but you're fast. Go on a, f a movie fast in the sense that if you feel it's maybe toying with your time, is distracting or it's even triggering some things you sh it shouldn't trigger yes that's that's honorable to go on a fast like that but usually when you do those things you also should stay away from food and, and if possible water as well yeah awesome. thank you Vicky. grace is that clear grace is that clear Will they not say that you are out of your mind? 
But if one prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all. Great, great question. Um, I think it's a very good question. So this scripture literally says that speaking in tongues is a sign to unbelievers. But when you prophesy, it's directed towards believers. And that's very apt. Um, so there is a difference between, I think when you read it carefully, what you realize, when you read it carefully, what you realize is there is a difference between having a prayer language, a spiritual prayer language, and having a message to deliver through the speaking of tongues. So um, while Paul was trying to bring order in First Corinthians 14 as regarding like praying in tongues and charismatic gifts and prophecy, he's saying that when you pray in tongues, it's dramatic, it's almost strange. You know, and this is what gathered the first people to speak in tongues in Acts chapter 2. This is what attracted such a crowd. People were like, what's going on? How are these guys, and these people sound drunk. It's a sign to unbelievers. But in the in the gathering, it's different. When you come together and you say, you know, as believers, we're coming together to worship, it's a whole different ball game. If I go to you now and I say, everybody listen to me. Braton, Jaquin, Rododo, Atarodo. You know, and I, sorry, I'm hungry. And I just see these things and I'm speaking in tongues to you. And some of you might want to be spiritual, like, yes, oh, yes, Pastor, great. Oh, glory to God. You're not hearing what I'm saying and you're not understanding what I'm saying, right? Um, but if we're in a gathering, if I want to bless the next person, I want to edify you, I want to build you up, I am going to deliver a message in a language you understand. I will interpret the tongues and prophesy to you, right? And that will build you up, that would edify you, that will bring comfort, that will bring exhortation, and that will bring edification, all right? So that's what Paul's issue was like. Yes, praying in tongues, it's a sign to them. You might think you are strange or you are crazy, um, but when it comes to edifying, make sure you do it um, through prophecy. Like, make sure you everything is done through prophecy. That's why he says, I prophesy more than you all, you know, but he rather speak um five words in understanding of five thousand words you know so uh yeah that's the point it was more about edification so yeah so people can have a prayer language and it sounds strange but when it comes to the gathering of the saints make sure that there is intentional edification done through prophecy i hope that helps thank you okay um uh-huh. Sorry, can I follow follow up yes, question? Yes, please go ahead. So I think I think um my issue is the fact that he said um guests should not we should not be speaking in tongues in churches at all. That it's wrong. So No, okay. That's just my that's okay. my issue. So if if that was the case, then um if that was the case, so look at this. Let me even read. Let me read a verse above that. Let me see. Verse. Uh, 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 sorry, I'm trying to find this verse that says, um, "If there's no interpretation, let him speak." To himself and to God. That's verse. 
sorry if someone finds it let me know i'm trying to okay yeah yeah verse 28 it says verse 27 if any man speak in an unknown tongue let it be by two like this is speaking in tongues and paul is giving it a metric a standard for how to go about it or at most by three and by course let one interpret but this 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 speaking in tongues here is specific to delivering a message so usually what happens is when there's a message to deliver you speak in tongues and then you have the interpretation and you share all right it now says but if there to be no interpreter let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to god so at the end of the day this silence paul is saying is not um don't talk at all he still says let him speak to himself and to god so when people pray together um and they're praying in tongues uh the, the type that edifies your prayer language i believe if you're doing it to yourself and to god you don't have a specific interpretation for the next guy you are you know sharing and you're speaking to yourself and to god if there are many people doing that in the church, it's going to sound loud so many times. It's going to sound passionate and fervent, which it should be. Um, but Paul literally doesn't frown against it. He encourages it. He says, you should pray, right? If you don't have interpretation, do, then don't lord it over everybody, right? Like you're having something to say to them. Just go and pray to yourself and to God. So stay in your corner and pray. Do you understand? But you should have a prayer language. You pray in tongues, even in the gathering of the saints. When it comes to order, where imagine someone just comes, everybody's doing, you know, everybody's praying. You just say, Prontato sete! And everybody's looking at you and they're like, What is this guy doing? That's when it's wrong because you're not delivering a message to the people. Do you get it? Does that make sense? Okay, thank you so much. Yes, it does. Thank it's you. Encouraged. I think it's a. It's one of the signs of a healthy church that everyone is free to flow in spiritual gifts, yeah, especially tongues. Thank you so much, Pastor Ken, for that answer. Um, amazing stuff. Okay, so I'm going to go straight to the next question here. Um, right. The person that asked is not here, actually. So okay. I'll move to the next anonymous question. Um, okay. My friend has decided to take a break from God because of controversies. That is, we have a lot of apologetics questions actually. I mean, the diagnostic conference is very tiny. But he decided go. to My break up with God? No. That was what I heard. My friend has decided to take a break from God because okay. of controversies. And the person goes ahead to explain the controversies. Okay. She has gay friends. And like, she doesn't understand why that's wrong. How do I explain? She has, what are the controversies? I didn't hear that. She has gay friends. Gay friends? L yeah, like LGBTQ Oh, okay, friends. okay. And she, like, doesn't understand. That's how it's written. She doesn't understand how, why that's wrong. How do I explain? Oh, is it um, an anonymous? Yes, it is. But someone else has voted the question here. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um... So the person wants to take a break. I would like to, I wish I were having a conversation with this person. Are you taking a break from God because you know what God's stance is on this, but still your friends are valuable to you and your friends are gay. So it's like God doesn't accept your friends. Maybe that's that's where the, this person is coming from. 
Uh, that that may be what it seems like face value, but God accepts your friends. It doesn't mean He accepts what they do. Um, just like every one of us, whether it's it's sexually related or not, there are things that we do that we ought not to be doing, but God accepts us and loves us still. But if your beef is, this is where Jesus' statement comes to play, where he says, if you don't hate your father and your mother, you know, um, if you don't hate your father and you don't hate your mother, you cannot be my disciple. Uh, which is a strong language, strong emphasis to say, if you don't prefer me to your mother and your father and your family, if you don't prefer me to this, um, then you can't really follow me. And that's a very strong statement to say that even if you don't love me or prefer me and my words and my commandments more than your friends, if your friend's position in a particular matter ranks more than mine, then you can't follow me. And this is an exclusive statement. Jesus made the statement to sieve out those who would follow him and those who will not follow him. If you truly want to follow him, you have to go all in. And it's it's really on a non-compromising front. Like, I am not going to compromise on what I believe, regardless of who you are. Yes, I love you. You're my friend. You're my family. My brother. You're my sister. I love you so much. But this is what the Word of God says. And I will not compromise on it. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're taking a break because of that from God, then it really means you don't understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I would just encourage you to step out of yourself. Like, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, especially young adults, think more of the now than the future. And I I do have a couple of people I interact with and even some people that are friends that struggle with this. Some don't even struggle with it anymore. Some people have just owned up to it. Um, And and I just asked this question, like, have you projected into the future? Like, what does the future look like for you as a gay person, as a homosexual? What kind of family can you create and start? Like, what what kind of structure, social family structure, would you have? Would you be able to have kids? Yes, if you adopt, fine. But what kind of system are you bringing your kids into? What kind of social structure? What spiritual structure are you also bringing them into? What spiritual covering would they have? These are questions to ask. In the long haul, it's, it's not sustainable, right? At the end of the day... Homosexuality is a sexual thing, a sexual orientation, right? So at its very core, it's sexual. You know, does it go against what God says about sex, God's design about sex? You look at it in the long haul, you just realize that there are a lot of cons to this and not any pros. Um, so when you when I reason logically with people like they think about it, they don't have the answers now, they're like they'll figure it out when they come. I'm like, no, when it comes, it's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. You want to give up because you want the support you need to this. And you're not going to get it from me. You're not going to get the support to go on in this from me. If you want it from me, you're not going to get it from, you know, you understand. God will not support this. He will support you, but he won't support this. Anyway, so basically, I think it's more about the understanding of the call to discipleship, to follow Jesus. If we are called to follow Jesus, we need to prefer him above everyone else and if you have friends that are into this 
I think you should, out of concern, really think about the dynamics of what what lays ahead of them, what lies ahead of them. Like, have they thought it through? Have they projected? And is this a struggle they have, or is it just something they've accepted as identity? You know. So yeah, a lot of people start start it off as a struggle, and then later on own up to it because they have more people around them that are aligning to it and, and all of that. But that's what I would say. I'd say that if you're breaking up with God or if you're on a break from God, it's a terrible place to be. It's a place, if you're on break with God, you're going to dine with the devil. It's not, on. there's no on defense kind of thing. You've exposed yourself to not being to God. You're going to have, you're going to invite the devil at your table and eat with him. That's how it's going to be. It's not, there's no either or, you know. Um, so yeah, sounds harsh, but it's just the truth. Okay. Thank you very much, yeah. um, That was intense. Does anyone have... <laughs> Sorry, what do you say? I said that's, that was intense, yeah? I know, it, it definitely was. Yeah. Well, I love the angle. Um, does anyone have any follow-up questions? I think there's something about the question where it was like, it was her friend that wanted to take the break because her friend has a friend and she wants to be able to explain to her friend not to take a break from God because oh okay okay um, so it's like a third person third person yeah and I think my own answer is also can still apply that way yeah that yeah, yeah, yeah you need to remind the person of that of who they are they are a Christian they are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus above anything else and so that's what you encourage them to do and yeah just logically also learn more about this thing because as much as we have instructions. The dynamics in the 21st century are different. The mm-hmm. LGBTQ community is more dynamic in this generation. So you can't just sit back and say, you know, you know everything there is to know. It's just wrong. I don't even need to know anything else. No, it's, it's, it's important to understand, is to read about these things. There are a lot of things concerning homosexuality, and it was on, only until I started studying that I came to realize that there's a side B, there's a side A. Of this whole thing right that's actually what it's called where they are it, it's very diverse right it's growing it's it's more progressive and we need to be aware of these things so we know how best to speak about it oh uh, and okay from what grace said she's always scared to read about it yeah i mean are you scared that maybe if you read it or read about it to start to affect you <laughs> and then no don't be afraid if if you are not if you're not a French curve and you're a ruler, um, by that I mean if you're straight and you're not a French curve, that's what I used to call it. Reading a material might not necessarily get you there. Unless maybe you've had some previous tendencies, then yeah, I would advise you not to. But if you don't, it's just good to have a good, firm understanding on these things. Awesome. Thank you very much, PK. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, so we're actually moving to the live questions, and I see that Dami has boldly raised her hand um, to ask a question. So, Dami, go ahead. It's basically about the um LGBTQ thing. So, like, also, I'm not like I'm not scared of reading about it, but it's just like sometimes you don't even really understand, and then the people. That are what's the word? The that they are LGBTQ. They are so like confident, and sometimes it's just like 
how am I supposed to explain it to someone who is like so like what's the word I'm looking for? They are just really so convinced that what they are doing is okay, basically. Yes. Mm. Mm. That's a very good concern. A very, very valid concern. I think that if you're going to interact with this generation, you need to understand this generation. It's called gay pride for a reason, in the sense that these are a community that have been the minority for a long time. They've been oppressed, they've been mocked, they've been scorned, um, they've been looked down upon by society. And now, f- for the sake of gay pride, they need to be confident, they need to be bold about what they believe. Whether it's right or wrong, this has to be right. They have to make it sound right, and everybody needs to align that it's right. You know. Um, but how do you handle this? Honestly, honestly, it's in it's 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 a lengthy process from my experience, anyways. To have someone to sit someone who is in this phase or in this community to reason with them, it takes time. It takes time. It takes a lot of accountability, a lot of intentionality, and a lot of prayers. A lot of prayers, because I'll be honest with you: if you're not in their shoes, you'll never fully understand what it's like. You will never. If you're not in their shoes, you've never experienced. You will never understand fully, um, because it's a very confusing place. Anything like what the devil does is he he perverts things, perverts sexuality, and it feels like your reality. It feels real to you. When people say, "I feel," You look like a guy on the outside. They say, I feel like I'm a girl trapped in a, in a guy's body. It feels real for them. Like, they really believe that that's it. And it's not because they read it somewhere. It's just how they've instinctively felt. And it's the perversion of the enemy. In that case, it's it's a long process that sometimes can be shorter. But it's not, it's not just something you say, thou shall not be a homosexual. Change from your ways. And they're like, oh, thanks. That solves it though. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. It's a it's a it's a process of getting them first of all to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. If you can get anyone to submit to the Lordship of Jesus, it makes everything way easier um, to to just continue in that line to submit to his instructions, his commandments, his purposes, his principles, his design. Alright, so I think that's how to, to proceed with it. But if you ever feel like reading these things would affect you mentally or make you start to ac- be careful of what you read. Don't go reading for only advocates. Maybe all you're reading is those who advocate for it. There will be ways for them to convince you where they say, as long as you're happy, it's true happiness. You're not really harming anyone. Um, you know, you can't choose who you love. All those things. Those are not the people you should listen to. Read from Christian speakers that address these issues people maybe who have even converted truly converted from it and have shared their experiences of what happened you have the likes of jackie hill perry and a couple of others that are online that um on youtube who have had these experiences whether it's transgender there's another one i read transgender as well um, all these experiences read listen to their podcasts read you know watch their videos read their books um gay girl good god by um Good God, Gay Girl by Jackie Hilpera. Read it so you have some insight into what it's like before you then see, okay, what are those, the proponents of this community? What are they also saying? You know, and then you now weigh your options and see which one makes more logical sense. But always, always, it will be the word of God that will make much more logical sense. All right. Okay, hope that helps, Tammy.
Thank you so much. Um, I hope that helps. If that helps, if you finish it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Awesome. Yeah, it does. Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Ken, for these rich answers. So we have two people's hands that are up. I have a feeling that they have follow-up questions. Okay. Um, so I think both of you can just keep Ajay's hand got up there. So Ajay, would you like to say a question quickly? If it's a follow-up question, Grace, you can go after. If not, you can put it in the chat section. Yeah. Oh, mine is actually a follow-up question. Okay. Sorry? It's a new question. It's a, oh, it's a new question. It's a new question. Grace, is yours a follow-up question? Yes. It is, okay. Do you want to just shoot that? I should ask? Yeah, just ask. So that okay, we can... Like, okay, so I wanted to ask... Um, People that are transgender, like, do they have to, when you are talking to them about God, like, <laughs> at the point when you're talking to them about God, they are already trans. So, are they supposed to now... Retra under what? trans or retrans? Yes, retrans. Yes, like, are they affected God that like, way? This is so I'm going to give a very, um, very unconventional answer, but I feel it's, it's more practical. If, so there's a story, there's one person I know who I met, I met this person in the US who went through that process. Um, she, she was a girl and she became a trans man, right? So everything, she did top surgery removed her breast tissue she looked buff she went to the started going to the gym started looking very buff cut her hair like you see how you be like this is a very beautiful boy <laughs> like that's how she was she looked like a guy you will never tell you know and you know i saw some of her old pictures and then after she had the conversion and she came to church um you know and she got saved and everything she still looked that way do you understand? Um, for a long time, at least, she still looked that way. She liked to be a tomboy, but when she realized that being this way um, is not really <laughs> attracting the kind of people she wants, because there were still many, many um, people, and she was also not just transgender, but also having same-sex attraction. That's two girls. So um, a lot of lesbians, when they see that kind of look, they are attracted to it. So and guys were not attracted to that look um so eventually she started to come to terms with the fact that she can um embrace a little bit more of her feminine side right while still wearing the clothes she liked to wear so she would wear she liked to wear pants rather than wearing skirts she liked to wear baggy clothes things like that and she continued and i mean eventually she still found you know the love of her life they're married now you know, so they're married. This is um the the church. The name of the church is Watermark Church. They have a youth church called the Porch. It was then I I found out about this whole experience. Um, but she looks like a lady now. Her hair has grown out, and all of that. But she's still like somewhat of a tomboy. You know, but and the husband loves her so much. She loves her husband as well. So it it you, if it's a thing of surgery where you now like like does she have 
I don't know. I didn't get to ask. I don't know if she somehow got got the the breast tissues back, um, back. But I think her husband doesn't mind. Um, but yeah, I think if it's something that is, if you want to reverse, and it's risky to reverse the process, sometimes it's even with genitalia, right? Not just this. Some people actually have a sex organ change. Um, if that's the case, if it's risky to reverse it, then I don't think you should risk it. It might be it might be much more difficult to find a partner that would appreciate you and accept you that way. But I mean, mistakes have been made. Sadly, um, you know that's that's what it is really. But if it's if it's if it's going to be very risky to have the surgery and very expensive, I'll just say no. Just don't do it. You don't have to. Right? If you've truly embraced your true identity um, at the end of the day. Um, and you believe in Jesus Christ? Yeah, I think you're fine. You're good. You're good to go, right? That's what I'd say. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky question, but it's it's dependent on different factors, medical safety, as well as um, compatibility with is a is a partner that would understand you and accept you as you are. Right. So those are those are the factors that I'd say. Okay, thank you very much, PK. Very yeah. delicate question. Very delicate. Thank you so much for giving us the birth to it. Thank you. Um, okay, so because Adair's hand is raised before, he will just go with his question and then we'll switch back to online questions. Um, Ajay, what, what's your question? And Grace, please confirm if. <laughs> okay, I think Grace has an answer correctly. Um, Ajay, you can go ahead with your question. All right. Um, can can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. So in the in the last two teachings, um, Sunday teachings, foolish. Um, sorry, not foolish. Faithful and um, yeah. mustard seed. Yeah. We talked about the fact that you know when when we are on the road, probably we are moving out here. You know, somebody that is you know sick somehow, and probably God tells us to okay, you know go. Or I don't want to say God, but say God, you feel led, yes, let me use it that way. You feel led, you know, go pray for that person. Now, me as, as a Christian, I already have this understanding that, hey, there are times that people have prayed for me personally, from personal experience, you know, for my healing and all, and I didn't get it, I, I didn't I didn't see no change. Um, I already have this understanding that, yeah, you know, there are times that God expects us to wait. And when we now go and pray for people, and they don't receive their instant in your they don't see no change. How how do we, you know, how do we encourage them? How do we ensure that hey, these guys are not losing their faith in God? Next time when somebody else comes to pray for them, they don't say, hey, look out of yeah, someone has already tried it and give up. So I mean, they're not going to do anything new. Or I don't see anything about God or dot dot dot. So how how do you after I have prayed and probably you know nothing happens, how do you still ensure that they don't use trust in God. Okay, very, very. I love this question. It's very. It's two sided, and I love it. Um, first side is there's a there's there's a man, um, one of the great soldiers and generals of the faith, um, John G. Lake, um, a powerful healing minister. If you guys have the chance, read up some of these God generals books. You'd you'd see things that like. 
this actually happened in New Testament, you know, um, post-resurrection days. Yes, um, this guy would hold crusades and thousands would be healed. Thousands would be healed. I, I hope I'm not confusing him with someone else, but I remember that there were many people he would pray for who were deaf, who were um, dumb, who couldn't speak, who were blind, and many of them were being healed, you know. Um, but he had two daughters. I don't know if it's him or I'm mixing it with someone else, another healing minister. What did you say? It's, it's Smith Wigglesworth, right? Yeah. So it was what had um is it two deaf daughters? Or I don't know what they're daughter. I know I know they daughter. I think I'm yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it a daughter that had same um ailments that she she was she was having um, hearing issues. And she was at home with him <laughs> and she wasn't getting her healing as as much as he was going out doing these crusades, people were being healed. The person in his house he had prayed for her, she didn't get that healing instantly. Do you understand? Um, it, it's a, imagine living in a literal contradiction where in your own house, in your own life, the things you believe God for for other people is not happening for you. Do you know how, how terrible that is? Um, it just goes to show the extent of one's faith that, look, the word of God says it, I will believe it regardless of what I see. And so even if this guy went out and prayed for the sick and nobody got healed, like the word of God says it and I will still go about it. Heidi Baker gave her own, her own story about this when she said it as a missionary in Mozambique where God told promised her that there was a healing anointing, there was an oil. She had a vision of an oil poured out and she was going to heal people who were specifically deaf and, and blind and all of that. And she went about the first time, nobody got healed. The second time she went out again on the outreach, nobody got healed. And she asked God questions like, God, what's going on? Like, didn't you promise this? And she said as she continued, she just started to realize that even without being too crazy about it, people said it's blind eyes started opening. People could hear again. And it was causing chaos. People were talking about it from town to town. You know, and she was like, she's grateful she didn't give up and she didn't stop, but she chose the word of God over her experiences. You know, it's it's very painful. Imagine someone like Adeboye, um, Daddy Gio, Pastor Adeboye, who had prayed for many people. Uh, we've seen in the ministry, seen dead people raised to life. They've prayed for the sick. And his own son dies and passes away and they couldn't bring him back to life. You know, these are things that we have to ask God when we see him. But is the word of God true? Yes, it is true. Can you put your faith in God and trust God? Yes. So on a personal note, if you're not seeing it in your life, hold on to the word of God over your experiences every time and you will see tremendous results. And on the other side of your question, I would advise you don't go with a contingency plan. A contingency plan literally means a plan B. Like what if this doesn't work? Don't ever go with that mindset if you're going to work a miracle. The mindset is, I am going and it's going to happen. Don't say, okay, maybe I should have come with someone else who could pray. The only thing that you're allowed to do is if you've prayed and you're not seeing the healing right there and then, you need to make sure that the person you're praying for actually believes. Right? Like you mentioned, some people have been prayed for severally. If you're in that kind of situation, right, um, it's only in a case like, 
Paul's um, in Peter and John's case, like they, that guy would probably not have had people pray for him. Right? The Jewish Jewish people didn't believe in all those things, the miraculous like that. But in a society like Nigeria, for example, where there are some charismatic people, possibly people who have prayed, this guy would probably have heard all the prayer points possible and is just given up already and tired. But if you can help reassure this person and strengthen their faith, like tell the person, look, I know people have prayed for you, but this one will work. Look at me. I'm telling you this one today to work and your healing will be perfect. And do you believe it? I just need you to believe this one with me. Once you do that, it's going to work. Don't go with a contingency plan. What if it doesn't? What if I should have called Pastor Ken to join me? Just focus on the fact that the word of God says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that's your disposition. That's your focus. Forget about the no doubts. Just focus on the fact that this guy is going to get healed. And that's it. Do you understand? And to highlight your point, whether you feel a leading or not, to be honest with you, I feel like Peter and John didn't have a leading to heal this guy. The guy literally called their attention and they healed him. So whether you have a leading or not, there's been a commission given to us to go about doing good, healing those who are oppressed of the enemy. Do you understand? Because we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. I hope this uh, cuts across your question. Yeah, thank you very much, Yes, all right. You're welcome. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, let's go switch to all my questions, but Grace, is your question a follow-up question? Yeah. It's been the hardest feeling. Um, all right, please, Grace. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have... Like, I'm not sure whether I can say this question, but I'm just going to ask people to ask questions. So does God... I don't want to ask this question. I don't want, I don't know, like, very controversial in my head. Does God create incomplete people? Like, people, not incomplete, that's the wrong English. Like, people of determination. People of. People of determination. No, no, like, like people. That's the the term we use for people that are disabled. Oh, oh, yes, okay. that's the political term okay. for, for them. Yeah, oh, okay, yes, differently able people, full of determination. Yes, yeah. so like, are they does God, you know, how in the Bible, um, we say we see that God created Adam, does God also like create like God is perfect? So, like, I don't understand, like, you kind of contradict so I don't really get it. That's a very honest question. Thank you. Um, simple answer to that is the fall of man which caused the fall of the world as well. So while God, that's the first thing you need to realize that even though when God made everything, he said it was good and perfect, sin came into the world and death reigned through one man, Adam. Romans 5 says that, verse 12. Um, and so chaos came, sickness came, pain came. All these things were invented through sin, the consequences of sin. Um, but one, what God instituted from the very beginning was first of all creation of the world but with man for man to multiply he instituted something called procreation procreation means that man in himself and even animals themselves and even plants can produce after their own kind do you understand that was procreation and if you have a perfect specimen that is procreating 
then the offspring, the progeny will be perfect and complete. But if there's a corruption by sin, whether in the DNA or the genetic makeup, then you're going to experience this um, flaws across the generations. So while we can say it, it won't be exactly wrong to say God created the beg um, the crippled, created the blind people, and all of that. It's more or less an indirect act of God. Now, literally, you can determine. It's so funny. You can determine how many children that you would have. You can decide to not have any children, and that's fine. God has given you that dominion, giving you the, um, what's the word? Giving you the prerogative to multi be fruitful and, be, and, and multiply if you want to. You can decide to have a football club as, as your children, like 11 children. You can decide to just have two. It's up to you. But your genetics, if you've had someone... That's why you, you hear things like hereditary diseases, right? If you've had someone who has had breast cancer, there's a possibility that there'll be breast cancer in that line. If you have someone that has blue eyes in your family, you have someone that has blue eyes. If you have someone that has one deficiency or the other, you would definitely you would most likely have that down the line. So it's not God saying, hmm, how am I going to design this person? You know, just maybe God divine Photoshop. Let me remove this ear. Boom. Move this leg. Let me edit crop this one out. That's not how God makes human beings. He made Adam and he made Eve. And then said Adam and Eve enjoy. Do what you want. Just multiply. So if they are Genetics were corrupted. That's exactly what you're going to see. You're going to have people of determination, people of with disabilities. Yes, but so I have like a, I want to ask like a confirmation sure. question. Sure, sure, so that sure. means like now procreation is kind of like on autopilot. Like God is not creating people like I'm not saying the way he formed Adam and Eve. So like creation is just happening. Like is it like so, on autopilot or so? So there now there are scriptures that hint to us that it's not just a random process. You see the design and creativity and power of God in procreation. Where where the scripture says before you have before um, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you, and, and this, this, this. David says in the Psalms that, you know, I formed you in the womb. I it was very poetic, right? Um, while I, I believe that the process in itself is a divine process, procreation, it seems very natural, but it's very supernatural at the same time. But it's at the end of the day, it's it's a God-given ability to human beings. Do you understand? The same way, let me let me not make this too graphic, but I think everybody here uses the toilet, right? You produce excreta, you produce waste. Um, God has designed your body that when food goes here and some of it digests, the undigested parts go here. And you produce this. God did not create your. <laughs> let me not say the word. He didn't literally form that uh, in that sense. 
he, he created, gave you the ability to do that. So the same way he said, if a man and a woman come and the egg and the sperm fertilize, it will go through this gestation period, which is brilliantly designed for nine months. And after nine months, you'll have this child. That's like how it works. God designed this, engineered this into us to be able to do these things. So God didn't create your, your urine, um, didn't produce your urine directly in that sense. But he created the things that would make you have to bring out waste. You, you, you get what I mean? The processes and the organs, he does that, yeah. Grace says she gets it now, amazing. Yeah. Um, Jerry, you have a follow up question again? I would say the supernatural part of this is the breath of life mm. in, in creation, in procreation. The fact that no other human being can create another human being. You know, it's a supernatural, that's the part that's supernatural where there's life breathed into this child and it becomes a living being, right? But everything about how the child will look, it's all DNA, it's all genetics. Yeah. If imagine you and your husband, both of you are black, you have a child and he's blonde with blue eyes, you'll be scared now. You <laughs> won't you ask God questions. So, um, this is just how God chooses that it's your DNA that, that depicts that. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. Uh, you have a follow-up question? No, it's not like a question but, um That's what Piki said, so I don't know if I can go ahead. Sorry, no, he wants me to make a contribution. He wants to make a contribution. Like, yeah, to... like make a contribution to what okay, he okay. said. I don't know if I can go ahead. Absolutely. All right, so... Um, so, um, so the question Grace asked, um, um, for me personally, um, I mean, this, I was born the way I was born, meaning partially sighted, been like that for me since birth. And, um, at the time, even this week, I said, I told someone like, that it's funny that I'm into video and all these things that I'm doing. Yes. I mean, my sight is not that perfect and I have limitations and all. And it's very funny that that's still the same area I found myself in. And I remember some year, very young years ago, I just thought to myself, I mean, I was like, ah, this one I was born like this. Because I've been doing graphic design a long time ago. And I was like, this one I was born like this. I mean, what's up? It looks like the devil had designed me. He knew what I was going to do and just decided to do something about it. And that was when I now consciously decided to use my gifts and my ability because it's easy for me to learn all this people. And I decided to, okay, no, I must use it for God. So there are certain times that, you know, people are born the way they are born with disabilities. And I feel it's an act of, you know, the devil and all, trying to ensure that they don't fulfill whatever God wants them to fulfill. Now, it doesn't mean like mine, you know, it might not be directly connected like my own, you know, visuals, my eyes and the fact that I do videos and all. Some people's own might be in a way connected, meaning that this thing, this disability will stop them from doing this, thereby stopping them from meeting someone or doing something else that is the main purpose that God has for their life. That's just what I want to say about this no, um, kind of question. No, absolutely, absolutely right. So, um, to add to what you said, while the devil might not be directly involved 
in making a person deaf or this the effect of sin is enough to make that happen where the devil can chip in is look at you you know like this um, pastor pastor nick i don't know if many of you i don't know i think he goes by pastor but he's a motivational speaker um one funny name i can't pronounce his last name vidjovic also he has no arms he has half a foot so to speak yeah so no arms no legs and he just waddles you know another guy is john Foppy as well john Foppy has no hands no legs no no john Foppy has no hands but he has legs but this one has no arms no legs and there's every reason to just say guy like give up like what can you amount to who's going to employ you who's going to give you a job like who's going to enroll how you write exams yeah i feel you already you're born to fail and this guy is speaking they're inviting him across the world to speak because of what he was able to develop like udo udo chuku yeah nick vujicic that's his name <laughs> i never know how to pronounce it but like udo said and which is something that touches my heart deeply you know he saw that there was a tendency for this to be a setback but he used it as a comeback he used it to build himself that look regardless of this i will be able to i would build and hone my skills and and be able to still do all that god would have me do that's just what it is and while that is happening of course there is god is a god who interferes and who intervenes who the these situations he this is how god intervenes he can do it here now on this side of eternity and also definitely on the other side of eternity some people get complete healing here on this side of eternity but there's also a hope of a new body a, a spiritual body a celestial body that everyone will have who believes in jesus but there'll be no sorrow we'll be like him in the twinkling of an eye that's a promise that's the inheritance that we look forward to so while there might be people who might live the rest of their life crippled on you know this side of the earth um of eternity there's a promise of a better body you know so yeah that's very very spot on thank you very much you know okay thank you so much Professor. thank you um i'm tempted to ask a follow-up question but i'm gonna switch to the online question because we actually have a couple other questions here that are like really interesting okay, okay. um so this question is anonymous. It's an apologetics question. It says, how are you sure Christianity is the one true religion or faith? How can you prove that the gods from other faiths are not supreme in their own ways? Hmm. Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> how can you prove? But I thank you so much for your contribution earlier. What's the question? How do you prove that the God of the Bible... Christianity is the one true religion and faith, you know, like, how are we sure that the gods and the other religions are not supreme in their own way? Okay. Anonymous, please come for um, for Audacity Conference. (laughs) That's all I can say. I'm sorry. This one is long. Um, It's long, and I'm going to take my time to explain it at Audacity Conference. But there are... There are intra religious proofs and interreligious proofs um or yeah how do i yeah let me put it that way so there are extra religious proofs there are intra-religious proofs. there are proofs that within the religion itself 
um, the whole concept doesn't implode on itself. The, the logical thinking doesn't implode on itself. And then when you reference it externally, maybe you want to see if the dates and the times and the historical landmarks add up and make sense, then if it doesn't implode on itself, you can trust it. Many of these religious beliefs, um, some of them, their central figures never actually existed. It's fiction. When you talk about um, Greek mythology, right? You talk about just these people didn't really exist, right? Um, but when you talk about other more modern religions, you talk about Buddhism and you're talking about Buddha and all of that, this, the, some of the narratives don't add up. They don't make sense historically. They are not relevant historically. Um, Islam that comes closest to anyone um, other than Christianity, the timelines don't add up. The historical references also don't add up. Internally, when you examine the Quran and, and the Quran and the claims of the Quran, they also don't add up. It 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 faults itself, and this is because I've carefully studied. I've I've weighed my options, right? And I've interacted with Muslims, and many of them say like I can't. They can't explain this one particularly, but you know, still they believe this and believe that. But when you look at the at the scriptures and the claims of the scripture, the truth is. One underlying principle about religions is it's either one of them, one of them is right, or all of them are wrong. You can't have more than one that are right, because when you look at the claims of, of more than one religion, you see that they are exclusive. For example, Christianity says that God had his son. He had an only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have a lasting life. The Quran said... It's not consonant to the nature of Allah that he may bear a child. This one is saying God has a son. This one is saying God cannot have a child. They can't be the same. So one of them is either right or both are wrong. But two of them cannot be right. So it's the exclusivity of religions and worldviews that make us know that, look, either one of all of these religions, thousands of them is right or none of them are right. And how can you tell? You have to go both logically and historically, literally and historically. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do the proofs, but the Bible um, in its translation, in its copying, is the most accurate, is the most copied um, literary work in the history of the world, especially the New Testament scrolls. And um, historically, it's relevant and accurate. So, yeah, that's, that's just one way to go about it. Then there's the spiritual aspect. When you leave the logical plane, there's a spiritual aspect. If you, it, it takes faith. So where there are gaps in knowledge, faith bridges the gap in knowledge. So you've known everything you need to know, but there's still things you don't know. But it's your faith that bridges that gap. That, look, I trust in this God. I, have, I know enough to trust in God. I don't know who created God or who was, you know, or all those funny questions but i trust this god you know so yeah come around for that conference these things will be explained to you yeah there's another question here that we will be answered about that's the conference Dolapo's question she says hi sir i'm looking to start an apologetics journey please any recommendation or materials to use slash who to listen to okay um for materials to use, use Proveit. Proveit is a good starter kit. Uh, I'm really planning to do a, a one for teenagers and kids, maybe like next year or so. 
Um, and then the second edition coming out soon as well. But Prove It, written by um, this very great guy. I like him. He's a good guy. It's not bad. Um, Kenneth Lusanya, I think he did well. Um, you can read it, read it and check it out. Then there's this guy who does well. His name is... Um, 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 William Craig. William Craig does a great job. Frank Turek. Dr. Frank Turek does a great job. Um, Dr. Michael Brown also does a great job. Um, um, I'm trying to see. There are some names that are coming to mind, but I'm trying to sift through. For Islam uh, apologetics, Nabil Quresh is a is of blessed memory. Is a good go to. Um, Act Seventeen apologists. That's um, this guy David Wood is also a good one. Um, um, trying to see through a lot of apologists that come to mind. Um, William Craig. There's this other guy. Is it something William? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I would say this one with 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 a pinch of salt. Ravi Zacharias. Um, Doctor Ravi Zacharias of Blessed Memories, also an excellent apologist. I know that with the the news surrounding his you know that came out during his, after his passing of his affairs and the infidelity i know that can that can taint a man's image especially because he was unrepentant about it but you cannot throw away the baby with the bathwater if you're talking about excellence in apologetic teaching rafi zakaras has that um but yeah those are the ones that come to mind frank turek would help you a lot then for um I don't think you'll need Calvinistic apologetics. Um, out of recommended soteriology 101, um, um, Latin Flowers does an excellent job against Calvinism, but you don't really need that one. Um, which other one do I know? There's this guy, Ask, Dr. K um, Ask Cliff, is on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel. Ask Cliff, his name is Cliff. He has a very, very good one. I think another good apologist, he's not really an apologist. And he sometimes can be Calvinist in the way he speaks, so I may not fully recommend him, but Alan Parr answers, you know, this question as well. So those are some resources. If you're talking about books, there's so many books. I can't even start. There are many websites. One website that will help you is CARM, C-A-R-M dot org. They have very good resources there. Christian Apologetic Research Ministry dot org. That's CARM, C-A-R-N. So, yeah, that's... Um, that's about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Someone's asking where Provit is available at. Provit is available in Nigeria. We're trying to get it to Okada Books. And something we've been doing, we've been in the editing phase, it's been taking way too long. But we plan to put it on Okada Books and maybe even Amazon very soon. So we're working towards that. Um, hopefully, it's live by next month. Um, by next month, I mean July, not June, <laughs> by July. So, yeah, please keep reminding us to be available, to be out for everyone's consumption. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to move straight. 
There are a couple other questions here, but the people who ask them are not around. But I'm taking two questions only. Does anybody like having questions? We literally have five minutes. <laughs> so we have to round off the session. So um, does anyone have any questions live? Okay, okay, so I have, I was listening to an argument one time, right, between a Christian and, I don't know what to call him, but I think he was more of a logical thinker, I don't know what they call them, but I don't an know what to call him. Sorry? Was he an agnostic or what? Or an atheist? No, he's not an atheist. He's a Christian, but then he doesn't... I don't know what to call him. <laughs> he doesn't follow everything by the Bible. <laughs> right? So, um, the argument was, how how can you prove that the, um, when I say the validity of the Bible, because the original writers of this Bible, that's Paul, Peter, them, 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 right? Um, wrote this thing how many years ago? Billions of um, I don't know if it's billion, but thousands of years ago, no, right? Yeah. And obviously, obviously, people, some other person has come to, when I say, do the revised version of what Paul and others did. So how are you sure that some of the value of what Paul and Eric and others did was not lost along the lost along the line? Basically, how can you prove that we have now? is exact as what Paul wrote and other people, very, basically. Very valid question. If Sayo has helped me to answer it, <laughs> come for the <laughs> conference. Um, All right. No, but I'll give you, I'll give you some, some direction. So um, when it comes to the authenticity of the Bible, there's so much to talk about. And when you, the, the New Testament itself is a whole other discussion because there's not too much debate about the old testament you know jews muslims are like aligned to it the the, the it's called the the torah and the, the tanakh that's the hebrew bible is the tanakh they believe in that like it's it's basically the, the foundation of what we have to in christianity like genesis to malachi so they don't debate it. But New Testament is highly debated, even by Muslims, because they feel Muslims believe that that's a corrupted part that people came into the body of Christ to twist and all of that. But one thing that owes to the credibility of Scripture um, is when it comes to the way they used to transfer information back in those days. Right now, if I want to, if I want to transfer information maybe i have something i have a book i just need to put it online in this generation and 50 years down the line if the internet is still existing and they've not changed it to something else someone will go back to that website and see it there it's recorded it's kept but they didn't have that so they will have to copy again and again literally copy the entire scripture pass it down after they've passed it down to that generation they have to copy it again pass it down and we still have copies of those of those manuscripts by the way 
in some very um, some museums in Syria, some museums in 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 Israel as well, some in Rome. So these manuscripts, um, the the New Testament alone has been copied is the most copied manuscripts to have ever been made. As in twenty thousand, I believe it's up to twenty thousand copies. The next that comes close to it is Iliad by um, Homer, which was a, a, a Greek poet, I believe, Greek writer, who has just like 600 copies. That's next after the thousands and thousands of copies that the New Testament has. So it is extremely reliable. They, they did a check and there was only a 5% um, error margin, and that was in punctuation and grammatical constructs. Aside from that, everything else was on point. Imagine that. So the accuracy is on point. It just tells you that if it was copied in that way, the chances of you losing that information as, as the years go by is very slim. Alright. So, yeah, that's about People still question that it was really Paul that wrote these things and it was really Peter. Um, but historically, we can say for sure that it was these people. When you read the context, the text itself, and the language of which they spoke, the people they addressed, these are people that actually lived in those time periods. Do you understand? Um, so yeah, there's there's just so much overwhelming evidence to say that these um, were the people. The other conversation to now have is, what about the other books that were written that were not canonized? By canonized means the scriptures that were added into, the writings that were added into scripture. There were a lot of writings in that time you know, different books. Enoch had his own book. People speculate that Judas had his own book. I, I tend not to believe it. But the other writers at that time that didn't make the cuts, you know, in the, the in the Bible. And that's just and that's another story about the divine inspiration of the scriptures. That's where you delve into the apocryphal writings and all of that. But the Bible is a very reliable book. Very reliable copy wise and historically historically wise when paul wrote that in first Corinthians 15 that about 500 people saw jesus alive at that time he said it because people who were reading could confirm from those 500 people in that time that he actually saw the resurrected jesus so it was relevant historically and still is children yeah does that make sense I'll answer a lot more on this. Uh, do we have a session for Bible authenticity? I doubt it. This one is more about rain, the gray. So it's more about gray areas. But we'll see. I'll see. I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can. Um, for this one, I'm not sure I, I, I included it in my notes as much. I just doubled in it. But I'll, I think for your sake, maybe for others, I'll, I will also include it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's do our questions real quick. Dolapo would ask her question. I'm going to ask two online questions at the ego, and then PK would ask, determine, you know, if we'll be able to take any more questions because, you know, time is well, well, well spent. Um, I hope you guys have been blessed so far. Like you're taking things in, taking notes actually, because this has been so insightful, even for me. Um, so yeah, do I provide your question? Okay. Um, 
Can you hear me? Good evening. Yes, I can hear you. Um, okay. So my question is like, so, right, faith in Christ gives eternal life, right? But like, I don't know, there are like some places in scripture I don't really understand, right? Not like, I don't really understand. I understand what is there. Like, you know, Revelations 21 verse 3 about how cowards, you know, Unbelievers, um, immoral murderers, and all these people have parts in the very lake of burning sulfur. But then, um, let's say, like now, the one in Galatia, um, Galatians 5 verse, Galatians 5 verse um, 20, <laughs> sorry, verse 20. What about people that like jealousy, anger, selfish ambition? Yes, they will also have. They will not hear in the book. My is like sometimes even believers do these things, right? They get jealous. Um, um, they envy, even like extra immorality and things like that. So does that mean like they won't? Go to heaven. You get my question? Yeah. Did you get it? Do you want me to? Yes, please. Yeah. Also, um, so the author is asking that you know how the Bible, um, we have an assurance in salvation when we believe, right? Um, but scriptures that talk about just quoting Galatians five, you know, where it spoke about people who are idolaters, at least people will not see the kingdom of God. So the question is, sometimes believers feel tempted, you know, and then get jealous. They, you know, do some of these things that they are not supposed to do. Does that mean that they will also not take the kingdom of God, like in the literal sense? Um, another instance I think she mentioned was in Revelation, the churches that Jesus was, sorry, that, you know, that were being addressed in that time. What, um, what's the dynamic around that kind of assurance of salvation for the believer? That's a good question. That's a very good question. So... The reason why Paul introduced the works of the f- works on the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is he was trying to this was more an identity thing. If you want to identify the one that is saved has the spirit of God in them, what would they look like? They would have love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you know these things, the fruit of the spirit. But if there was someone who was not saved, there will be works that will be consistent with an unbeliever. We're talking fornication, malice, anger, wrath, you know, licentiousness, and all these things. So you're talking more about identity, more more of identification, more of the kind of results you'll see. So he clearly stated in that same Galatians five that there is a tussle, there's a tug of war between the flesh and the spirit, right? It says to um, walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it's te- it was speaking to believers there, like you can walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, meaning there are still lusts of the flesh as a believer. Um, but when you talk about the people that won't see the kingdom of God, it's those who perpetually, consistently, um, go about doing these things like in the day of Noah for example 
without repentance, without remorse, without um, any step to actually repent and have godly sorrow about these things, right? If you're having someone who is perpetually in sin, um, walking, walking in the flesh, you can look at that person and say, man, even though you go to church every Sunday and you pay your tithes and you're in the service unit, I don't think you are saved. And you have every reason to say that because the fruits don't align. So it's more of an identification thing which is doing there in Galatians 5, I believe. Does that make sense? So believers make mistakes. That's why John says, if any man sin, he has an advocate. And any man there is talking about believers. If any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. So men can, believers can make mistakes, but you're talking about a consistent identification you know consistent pattern of your life if it's always um works on the flesh all the time then you, it, it just shows that no nah, you're probably not saved yeah okay so thank you yes i understand all right you're welcome. amazing um so i'm going to switch over to online i'm just going to ask like i'm going to ask questions two in a row and i don't think we'll actually be able to take um any more questions because of time but i just chipped them in a couple of these questions very interesting pk you you most definitely want to see them um but this one is this these two seem relatively um together and i'm saying them because other people voted them okay. um so people that are here from anonymous i'm sure it's possible someone here you know also voted this and so the first one is in line with the question you previously asked, and then the second one is also like a similar question. The first one says, is it not rude to exalt the God of the Christian faith over other gods? Then the next question goes, if someone was born a Muslim, they won't grow up to think that they need to ever become a Christian. Other religions, what's the deal here? You know, I think it's really similar to something you've answered before, yeah. but, you know, just for reiteration's sake. That's a very good question. I love this question. The first one you, you mentioned about... Can you repeat the first one? Um, is it not rude to, to um, exalt the God of the Christian faith over all that religion? Absolutely. It's, it's very rude. Very, very rude of us to do that. <laughs> but it's a kind of rude that is from a place of love. You know, we love you so that you get to know the true God. There's only one. There has to be only one one true god all these gods if you go to him um to, into hinduism just a little bit just step into it for a while you realize that these guys they have close to three thousand gods so at the end of the day you have to ask how many of these gods will you be able to skim through and choose to serve are you going to serve three thousand gods and some of the gods are things you eat like you they get offended if you kill cows by the way because there's a god of cow there's this the snake the snake god there is they have all sorts of gods the tree gods the, everything in nature that you're supposed to have dominion over they claim is a god to you so objectively you can already tell that there's some gods that should not be gods so the real question that you now have to ask is so who then or what then is the true god if anything I think naturally we all know that there is a supreme being beyond us. There is always supreme. I'm not calling him a being, 
or it a being. Many people will just say there's a higher power. There's a an, an a superior source, superior power. A lot of people admit to it because you can't claim just the very existence of human beings tells us that look, there has to be a being outside of the physical plane that made this physical plane exist or higher power, whatever you call it. It's now a quest to find out who is this higher power. And we have Christianity saying a major claim that Jesus is saying, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So that statement already excludes every single religion. The question is, can you investigate this claim and can you come out knowing whether it's true or not? That's where the real question is. Um, the second question that is tied to this is what is how anyone who is born in a Muslim family um, would not know to think outside of the Muslim world. Well, I think, I mean, when you look at someone like Nabil Quraish, one of the people I mentioned, he he was born a Muslim. And in fact, he was, he was taught to make converts. So Muslims actually evangelize as well. Um, so he was, one, was an evangelist of Islam. So he would literally come to Christians, come with some of these questions that would catch Christians that they will not be able to answer and he will use that against them. You know, but on his own, as he said to study more and interact more with believers, he started to see the holes in his religion. That's where he starts. When you start to see that what you believe doesn't hold weight, then you ask questions and then you look to where the real answer is. And he found Christianity to be true from his own studying. So um, at the end of the day, God does help make that pull that people who formerly thought they were on the right path can start to have in their hearts to see the truth, whether it's through Christian Christians themselves or even God supernaturally doing it, where he comes through dreams and and other things like that, which are the exceptions. But naturally speaking, anyone who doesn't just follow religion, um, it's same thing with me. I was just religious and I didn't even have a relationship with God, even though it was within this sphere of Christianity. I was religious most of my life till I really found God. So I feel everyone at every point, even people who are brought up in Christian homes, need to come to a place where they put faith in Jesus Christ. You're not born, born again. You know? So you eventually get to a point where you actually believe and then you get born again. So even John the Baptist that was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth had to believe in Jesus after he was born. So that's just that's just uh, what I'd say to answer the question. Thank you so much, PK. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. I hope you guys have learned a lot. Um, again, so please apologies. I apologize on behalf of myself. There's one question here that the person is not around, but some more people voted it, and this is the last question. Oh, that person that was not around before. Yeah, is the so one, no? one of them was Dola she was she came around and okay. then we answered her question. But this was the first person I mentioned that was not around, so I didn't want to answer the question. That's, that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, this one, yes. So this is her okay. question. Very interesting question. Hebrews 4.15. Who's the person? Um, let me the scripture first. Just to give me... Who's the person that asked the question? I didn't get that. It would be Odiakose. 
Okay. I'm not sure if I pronounce his name right there. I hope I did. Okay, so Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And so her question is this, But Jesus is God, and God can't be tempted. Wasn't that in any way an advantage as to why he didn't give him despite all he, all that he went through? So, like, him being God was the supernatural advantage that he can't be tempted. Yeah. Okay, there's, yeah. there's a scripture that's, that seems to hint that in James, James chapter 1, that God does not tempt, neither is he tempted with evil. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and literally, Jesus said that. He says, thou shall not test the Lord your God. That was one of his responses, right? You should, you should not test the Lord your God because that's a scripture. Right? Don't tempt God. You know? But at the end of the day, the dynamics were different. He was God in flesh. He took on human flesh. So, Jesus could feel hungry. Jesus could feel tired. Probably even got injured when he was doing his carpentry work. That's possible. Right, I'm not trying to make a case that Jesus makes mistakes all the time and all that. No, but I'm just saying he was human, right? So he could identify in times where he was hungry, there was a reason for him to want to eat. And imagine being hungry and you're fasting. Two and two is equal to four, right? So if 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 you're hungry, you're fasting, and then someone is providing food, you know you shouldn't, but that's a temptation. Now, the question of whether temptation was as aggressive as it is with us, I, I can't say, you know, because many people just feel like Jesus had it figured out. He already knew the scriptures. He was ready. But that, that's, that's exactly why he was able to win. He was ready. He was prepared. And he was yet without sin, meaning one way to be able to battle temptation is to be prepared before the temptation comes. So I'll just say that, um, yes, he had the advantage of the Holy Spirit, just like we do as well. But he was human, and he actually faced those temptations. That's how I'll answer the question. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor Kim. This has been such a blessed time for me. Thank you so much, Dami. I have one question. I have I have one question. Okay, Ebube heard the question. She's she was online as well. She heard the question. Oh, yeah. oh amazing. She's on Mixelar. I, I didn't see. Oh, She's on Mixelar, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know the people who were there. It's Thank okay. God if I asked that question. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have one question, Dami. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, why are you fine like this? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make you it, blush. I had a very really amazing answer today. I was made in the image of God. I mean, why shall I not? Imago Day. Imago Day. Imago Day. Thank you so much for a second. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you guys so much. Um, I really hope you all were blessed, right? I feel like I, I was you were amazing. I was so impressed by the questions that we asked because I'm like, these are people who are studying. These are people who want to know more. And it's clear that, you know, we're, we're all taking apologetics journey seriously. Somebody asked in the chat what is in apologetics. It's the art and the science of defending your faith. You know, that's how, that's the best way that I, I can define it as linked by my pastor, Kenneth, you know. Um, so 
if you think well, apologetics doesn't mean to say sorry, it literally just means to be able to stand for your faith. And we have a scripture in that first Peter three fifteen um, that talks about how we should be able to descend. If any man asks you, you know, you should be able to stand for your faith and be able to explain why you believe what you say you believe. Um, and with that, I'm going to invite you all for that fantastic conference. Pastor Ken has said, you know, everybody asks us, they say, oh, come for that. If you don't know what audacity is. Mm-hmm. Please don't forget on this moving train. It's a yearly apologetics conference. It's happening next month on the 25th. It's an online conference. See you people. Set calendar reminders. Put talent. I'm actually very serious. You want to be there. You want to be there. Not just do apologetics conferences like this, strengthen your faith, but they also prepare you to do the work that you have to do in you reaching evangelizing the lost. And if you have any hopes, or sorry, not hopes, plans to jam and, you know, even reach out to people more, I promise that you want to be as audacity because Definitely. you'll get there and you'll hear things that are things, <laughs> basically. So, yeah, you guys want to be around for that conference. Um, lastly, there is also a recap of our last month's teaching series. Who's been blessed by the faith life, life of faith, like, I personally have been, please if you have been, can we signify in the chat exactly? It's, it's been an amazing journey. Um, keep going, but that's not the month that we recap. It was Cross Grave and Sky, yes. So, um, we have an amazing recap of Cross Grave and Sky, <clears throat> which was our, um, you know, Easter. the month of April, the yeah. Easter month. You want to watch it. Like, the, it should have gone live already on our YouTube page. So I'm wondering what our YouTube name is. Decide365. Okay. Decide is helping us to place it in the chat section. So please go and watch it. You know, if you're in the British, miss any one of the sermons. They did a great job at recapping, you know, the entire series. Not such that it's being enough, but just so your mouth is watching enough to go to the podcast and, um, you know, grab a listen for them. But thank you guys so much again for coming. I hope you you've been blessed and your faith has been strengthened. Uh, thank you so much again, Pastor Kenneth. Tonight was amazing. I was, I was blessed. I was close personally. Um, <laughs> yeah. So guys, okay. <clears throat> let's we're gonna take the closing prayer now. Thank um, you to Dami. Also, I just want to say that you did uh, an amazing job hosting this. Uh, it's natural to you, and I'm very grateful for that. Can you guys just like help me celebrate, Dami? Just a round of applause. Thank you, Dami. Thank you, Dami. Thank you, Dami. Thank you, guys, so much. Um, so thank you. Thank you. We're going to take the closing prayer now. Um, should I take it to the random minute? Take it in. Should I nominate? Yeah, let someone let someone pray for us. Someone else, right? Yes, please. Who would like to pray us out? Who would like to I pray us out? Someone nominate or actually just go. Favor can pray for us. Favor has been quiet. Favor quality. Yeah. Hi. You've been called to the podium to to pray. First, we say a network, network. Please uh, pray for us. Good 
the clarity that you've given us through PK today. We thank you. It will be for your glory at the end of the day. We will use this knowledge to spread the right word. We will go back and we will do our findings in the right places and we will go to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. grace to be bold, to use things and not quiet. We ask for the grace to be able to speak truth we, we ask the God that you continue to bless every source um, to bless the knowledge of Patrick Kenneth and so for every for every source that he gets from that it's never it's never diluted with anything that it shouldn't be diluted with and he continues to give him the strength and grace to grow, to grow and listen Amen. in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Amen. Can I just add a prayer to this? And Lord, I pray for everyone here listening. Like the real questions that concern your children, the real doubts. And they might know enough, but there's still those lingering concerns and doubts. Lord, I pray that the overwhelming assurance of your truth will overshadow every one of them. That little by little, the light of your word will shine through their hearts, eradicate every darkness and every shadow of doubt in Jesus' name. And I pray for those who might be struggling with one thought or the other, with one problem, one issue or the other, as they put to practice the things that they've heard, they will get the help that they need, they will experience the progress and growth that they desire in Jesus' name. Amen. We just thank you that all of us will grow together in the faith to all come to the unity of the faith, oneness in doctrine, oneness in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.